Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Ben. I am Noel. And Ben, what's your favorite Bob Ross paint color? Mm, probably cerulean blue. I like Prussian blue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you know, this is unrelated to anything. This is weird and doesn't have a lot to do with today's episode. Titanium white's good, too. Titanium white is, is like a solid classic. Literally a solid color. There was a band, uh, a, like a children's band called Prussian Blue. There were these really? two little girls, and they were neo-Nazis. What? Yes. That's, that up. took a left turn. I just, now it's ruined the color for me because when I didn't believe it when I first heard of this. Prussian Blue is canceled now? Well, the color is fine. Are you sure? I feel, I feel like the color is fine. I think it's a beautiful color. But yeah, Prussian Blue is a duo of uh, neo-Nazi pop siblings. Was, do they have any hits? Uh, I don't, you know what? I got to tell you, man, I'm not really into white supremacist stuff. No, but I was thinking maybe that didn't come out until this was part of their thing. They were like very much a, I think a so. neo-Nazi forward children's pop group. I think they had like songs about it. Wow. But, uh, let's, let's go back to cooler territory. I'd much rather explore Bob Ross. What, what, what brings Prussian blue to your mind here? We're talking about Prussians today. Uh, oh, that's uh, way better. This is a very, okay. very simple association. Uh, <laughs> uh, much like my fond association with super producer Casey Pegram. I'm, uh, I'm happy to report that Prussian Blue grew up to be not neo-Nazis. Oh, really? Yeah, their, their parents kind of put them up to it when they didn't know better. Oh, um, Casey, this is a very touching and moving <laughs> Casey on the, on the case. case. There you go. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I just pulled up some stuff on them. They stopped touring and then in 2011 they renounced that those politics god talk about 
terrible parents. Yeah, no joke. It makes me think, I know mean, not to get too far, and like we're starting to t- t- start talking about neo-Nazis or something to do right, with the right. topic, but I have a very distinct memory of, you remember those daytime talk shows like Maury mm-hmm. and uh, Sally, Jesse, Raphael? Well, who was the guy with the white hair? That was Dr. Phil. No, no, that was uh, Phil Donahue. Donahue, that's I knew there was a Phil. He yeah. might have been a doctor. Uh, he was a Donahue, though. And I remember very distinctly when I was a kid, they had uh, young uh, neo-Nazi kids on one of those sh- episodes, and they were saying all of this horrible, unbridled, racist stuff on regular daytime television. And I was a little kid, and I was shocked. It, it was disturbing to seeing seeing these little, like, 12-year-olds, like, saying all these horrible racial slurs, and their parents backing them up and all this. Yeah, anyway, that, that that is neither here nor there. Today, we're talking about uh, how a guy by the name of uh, Von Romberg, mm-hmm. which reminds me of the band The Von Bondies, so we're not going to have to go there, was tricked into surrendering uh, during what's called the Capitulation of Stettin, which is a really cool name for a conflict. <laughs> it, is, it is a very strange thing. It sounds like, it sounds like a phrase describing some particular move in martial arts or swordplay. Like, uh, you know, they parried, but he responded with the capitulation of Stettin. Two points to blue. Yes, it is true. On October 30th, 1806, Lieutenant General Friedrich von Romberg, he was in charge of defending a city called Stettin. Let's set the scene here. So at the very beginning of the 19th century, I love the way Mental Floss puts it. Napoleon Bonaparte pretty much declared war on everybody. Especially tall people. <laughs> sure. He hated them. And for, you could say he had a complex about it. You could. You yeah, could. You really could. Uh, and for 12 years, he and his army slashed through Europe, battling militaries from 20 different countries. By the time he was defeated in Waterloo in 1815, his battles and all the chaos he'd stirred up claimed somewhere between 3.5 and 6 million lives. Of those casualties, 2.5 million were soldiers. How many of them were tall people? You know, that's that's it's up to history because we talked about that propaganda, right, previously? Right. In the Napoleon episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't incredibly short. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we do an episode about Prussian soldiers who were super tall? The Potsdam Giants. That's right. Wasn't that in Prussia? Yeah, that's correct. All right, call back. Call back. So this is the context in which today's story occurs. It's October 30th, 1806. There are 5,000 Prussian soldiers in this town, Stettin, in Poland, during what was called the War of the Fourth Coalition, part of the Napoleonic Wars. And they are being attacked by French soldiers, and eventually they're going to surrender to these French soldiers. However, remember, we said there were 5,000 Prussian soldiers in the city. There were fewer than 800 French soldiers launching the attack. And the French forces were led by a guy named General Antoine LaSalle. This guy is interesting because uh, he was like a larger-than-life kind of flamboyant, adventurous-type dude, right? And he was known for his hot takes. He once said any hussar who wasn't dead by age 30 was a blackguard, though he himself made it past age 30 by, uh, by a few years. He had swag. He, he had juice, you know? He was drinking like a fish, swearing like a sailor, and he was known to be incredibly courageous 
and brave because he would sometimes do unorthodox things like sneak past enemy lines at night to have romantic encounters with women in areas controlled by the enemy. So he had almost like a kind of James Bond vibe, I guess, but a little more militaristic. LaSalle would be a good name for like an international spy, if you ask me. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's almost as good as LaBouche. Mm, Not as good, but almost. Well, a few things are. But LaSalle, like LaBouche, was a man for all seasons. People who met him off the battlefield said, you know what, this is a charming guy. He's funny, too. He's witty. And I like that he cares about his family. Uh, And his family comes into play a little bit because he had a lot of connections. Yeah, he he, he grew up the son of a noble, um, which described in this FrenchEmpire.net article as a minor noble. (laughs) Which is so quite, weird. I don't quite know what that means. Um, but yeah, he also was the great grandnephew of Marshal Faber. Um, and that that guy's apparently quite important. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't know who that is either, but you can't have a name like that and, and be some kind of slouch. Um, so he was connected, right? Um, and he became uh, what the French refer to as a sous lieutenant. Which, which I wonder, is that like a sous chef? It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> Casey? What is a sous? Like a sous of anything just means like an apprentice kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like an understudy kind of thing. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Oh, and the uh, French kitchen hierarchy is in some ways modeled after military. That's right. Uh, there are brigades. They call them brigades. Yeah. Or at least that's what Gordon Ramsay calls so them. So we just finally figured out sous chef. So many things. What about sous vide? Different, different etymology entirely, I imagine. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Our pal Ramsay here at the office just got a sous vide contraption. People swear by them. And for the longest time, I was like, wait a minute. So it's like boiled meat? No, it, it cooks the inside, but then you sear the outside. So it's like perfectly seared and succulent and then juicy and like tender on the inside. So I really want to give it a go. Yeah, I want to give it a try too. I don't want to do a homemade MacGyver contraption though. I want to have like the actual machine. It is the same word. Sous vide means like under a vacuum. Oh, so oh. it's literally like Sub-vacuum, kind yeah, of? I yeah. got it. All right. Oh. Big time Casey on the Casey case. Casey on the case, yeah. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was bought it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back to LaSalle. LaSalle is, he's a child soldier, right? Because he becomes a Sioux lieutenant when he's 11 years old. Jeez, we're doing, we've got another theme that's popping up now. It's child soldiers. Yeah. What was the one we did the other day about the, uh, the little drummer boy? Clem. Clem, our boy Clem, <laughs> who said, children make the best soldiers. Yeah, uh, you he know, did say with, that. He, he said that like late in life. You would have thought hindsight would have uh, given him a little more perspective than that. He was like, they're dumb. They they're don't dumb. know they, they do can die. Told. They can fit around small <laughs> spaces, you know. Oh, that guy. Yeah, but he grew up into a, a strapping five foot eight gentleman, very good looking. He was a huge fan of mustaches. Um, he liked to wax his mustaches and curl them around. He was great on horseback. There's a story uh, on napoleonguide.com about him riding into a ball, like a, like a dress, fancy dress ball, where he made his horse do a little dance. Guy knew how to make an entrance. Um, then in the theater of battle in Egypt, he was known for defeating uh, a very famous horseback brigade called the Mameluke Horsemen. Mm -hmm. And in one instance, he uh, actually got off his horse, picked up his sword, and then got back on, which is not something that people typically would do. I like that we're spending some time fleshing out the details of this guy because he has some weird stuff. This is probably one of my favorite strange facts about him. This comes from steamit.com, the generals of Napoleon, uh, LaSalle, the devil. When he is not fighting, apparently he takes care of his reputation with a reckless and hell-raising lifestyle. The main pillars of this are womanizing, dueling, gambling, and drinking – he created something called the Society of Alcoholics with his colleagues. There was only one crime in the society, and that was to not be thirsty. This guy was a little wild. He really was. But he was also a, a, a famed military man, so he got a pass on some of these more 
uh, more decadent behaviors, right? He served for several years in Italy. Uh, somewhere in there, he started having an affair with uh, the wife of his general, a guy by the name of Victor Leopold Berthier, who was also uh, pretty heavily connected um, to Napoleon. He was the brother of Napoleon's chief of staff. And after his paramour, shall we say, uh, got divorced from her husband, LaSalle, um, decided to, to marry her. They got married. So it wasn't all just, just fun and games. Uh, December of 1803, he kind of flipped his uh, script a little bit and became a family man. Yeah, he w- was taking care of his wife's children from her previous marriage, and he seemed to have changed his ways, right? He was he was in it to win it. This was the love of his life. And everybody kind of liked the guy, at least everyone that was on his side, uh, as long as he wasn't sleeping with their significant others. And here's the thing. These, these, these exploits of his were not a secret. No, they were very well known. If anything, not even an open secret. I and mean, they were just, he just, Kind of trotted him out there. He really was pretty brazen about it. But again, he kind of turned himself around. But Napoleon was once asked why he never disciplined LaSalle mm-hmm. for any of this you know, this misbehavior. And he said, uh, and this is, again, a, a quote from an article on FrenchEmpire.net, uh, where he said, quote, it takes the stroke of a pen to create a prefect. And this is, he was answering, uh, the question was posed to him by a prefect. But it takes 20 years to make a LaSalle Mm-hmm. And Napoleon thought so highly of LaSalle, he would pay off his debts. People would come to him and be like, your boy is crazy. He's a raging lunatic, and I think he's always drunk. And Napoleon would be like, ah, that's, you know, that's LaSalle. Let him, let him do what he needs to do. Let Tony do what he needs to do. And part of it, I think part of the reason Napoleon still unapologetically adored the guy is because despite his rambunctious problematic personality off the field, he was brilliant in battle. His crew became known as the Infernal Brigade during the 1806 campaign for Prussia, and he fell for a ruse by a General Blucher that helped the general give his army an opportunity to escape. But while he was chasing this Blucher guy to make up for his mistake, he stopped at this town, Stettin, Stettin, the town with 5,000 defenders and almost 300 cannon, and he threatened it into submission to capitulation with only 800 troopers at his back. He had about 500 hussars under his command, two light field guns. Let's talk about Stettin. Stettin is a well-fortified port city. It has a garrison of nearly 10,000 men. It's got 281 cannons. It's commanded by Friedrich Von Romberg. Right. He was a super, super um, seasoned veteran. 50 years in, he had fought during the Seven Years' War under Frederick the Great. And this city was prepared for siege. The British Royal Navy was granted pretty much carte blanche entrance and exit through their port. So they they, they had plenty of uh, supplies. So on October 29th, 1806, um, as the sun began to set... LaSalle sent one of his men to make a truce, waving that white flag, and to demand that the city surrender, the city's forces surrender. And he uh, made it very clear that he would, you know, follow the rules of engagement and, and, and be an honorable, an honorable man in this respect. Uh, von Romberg 
he was not having this. He said he would fight to the death. Boom. To Rejected. The last man. Rejected. Yeah. So uh, about an hour passes. Um, this parlay ends and his guy comes back um, and delivers him a very, very ominous message. He says, if by 8 a.m. you have not surrendered, the town will be bombarded by our artillery and stormed by 50,000 men. 50,000 men, like Cotton Hill. Only he killed 50, but this is 50,000. Uh, then the garrison will be put to the sword. I love that phrase. And the town will be plundered for 24 hours. Very specific. Well, plundered for 24 hours in this situation means everything you could imagine. Oh, yeah. Pillaging, burning. Looting, sexual assault, killing livestock just to deprive people of meat, right? As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Romberg 
speaks with the town leaders, and they say, this is LaSalle. He's the devil incarnate. You have to, you have to play ball with him. Just look at his mustache. The man means business. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably somebody in, in the back who's like, he slept with my wife. Because that's how LaSalle rolled. That's totally how he rolled. So the garrison marches out the next morning. They file past the French forces. They throw their arms down at their feet. Romberg, who's at this point, he had 50 years of experience, right? But he was 77 years old at this time. He negotiates with LaSalle. And when the surrender is finalized, they've ceded 5,300 troops, 281 guns, and the fortress of Stettin to the French. This is a huge loss for the Prussians because they could have withstood the siege. Just look at the numbers. And there's no way that the French could have actually taken this area. They were demoralized. They were too disorganized to do anything, really, to launch any counteroffensives. I mean, Napoleon had first engaged the Prussians in battle on October 9th. In less than a month, he had defeated them, like soundly defeated them. At the beginning, the Prussian army had about 250,000 people versus 160,000 French soldiers, but the French killed 65,000 Prussian soldiers, took 150,000 prisoners of war, and they only lost about 15,000 people, which I know sounds cold to say only 15,000, but look at the numbers. The French were mopping the floor with these guys. Sure seemed like human life was pretty expendable in these situations. I mean, guys, that's war for you. War, that's what makes war hell. Um, but yeah, I mean, the French absolutely crushed as uh, executives are wont to say. Sure. Um, And the Prussian generals just, you know, were left with no option but to surrender. So that's the larger context of the war because we we have to ask ourselves, well, why did this guy take, why does Prussian general take this French army's word for the number of people they had? That's because a lot of the generals at this point are hopeless. They feel helpless. They've been getting mopped left and right across the area. So we can conjecture a little bit, and this is pure speculation. We can conjecture that Romberg thought, well, the French are here, so this is terrible for us anyway. We should just surrender and try to save some people's lives. Because he knows the bigger picture. He knows yeah. how they are outclassed and outranked overall, right? But in this particular situation, the French forces were— inferior to the Prussian forces in this town. Exactly. And they could have won when von Romberg discovered that he had been had, when he learned just how tiny the French force actually was, it was far too late. And he had to stick to the agreement they negotiated. So LaSalle becomes a national hero. Von Romberg becomes a laughingstock. He's tried by court-martial in 1809. He's convicted of surrendering without a fight. Do you know what the sentence for that was? Death. Life imprisonment. Ah, close. It was pretty close. I, You know, it would take a philosopher to figure out which one is worse, right? I agree. Honestly, it, it does strike me as something like that would be such a dishonorable thing that it would be like cowardice, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or like tantamount to treason, surrendering without a fight. That's that's no good. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, though. Well, exactly. But I mean, it's with a, with a you know, like the French were, were so wrapped up in all this hubris, you know, Napoleon especially, that'd be a pretty big offense to just like not even put up a fight. Well, the Prussian general, too, he knew what the score was because his first statement was, no, we'll fight you until every last one of us is dead. You know what I mean? He came out of the gate 
with this kind of expectation. So what happens to LaSalle afterwards? Let's fast forward because it turns out that LaSalle appears to have correctly predicted his own death. Weird. In 1809, in the morning of the Battle of Wagram, LaSalle had this feeling of premonition, a hunch. And so he drew up this petition at the last minute to the emperor. And he said, take care of my children. And he gives it to one of his friends to give it to Napoleon in case I die today, pretty much. And towards the end of the battle, he tries to pursue an Austrian corps that's running away. He a what? Austrian corps, C-O-R-P-S. Oh, oh, I got you. I yeah. thought that was some kind of bird. Oh, like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's chasing a bird. chasing a bird, like, like, like an ostrich. For, I don't know why I was thinking that. Sorry. Please continue, Ben. He grabs some other forces that are a little bit slower than his typical hussars that he works with. And then he appears as a lone figure out in the front. An Austrian grenadier lines up a shot, fires, hits him in the forehead, kills him instantly. Somehow that morning, he had this idea that he would die. And so there ends our tale for today. But you know what? This is not the end of the story of Napoleon's other generals. Uh, shout out to anyone who enjoyed our our episode on the rabbits that uh, beat Napoleon back. Uh, and let us know what other strange, eccentric, larger-than-life military figures you'd like to learn more about. Please do. Let us know on our Facebook group, The Ridiculous Historians. All you have to do to get in is name me or Ben or give us some point of reference that makes us know that you're not just some sort of clever bot from the internet. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, where we're Ridiculous History, or you can find us individually on our personal social accounts. I am only on Instagram at Brown. You can find me getting kicked into and out of various countries, communities, places, and adventures on my Instagram, at Ben Bolin. Uh, you can also find my hot takes, terrible puns, one-liners, and shower thoughts on Twitter, where I'm at Ben Bolin HSW. Huge thanks to super producer Casey Pegram, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, research associate Gabe Luzier. Big thanks to Eves Jeffcoat, Christopher Hasiotis, the rest of the Ridiculous History family, even, yes... Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. If you did not enjoy this episode or you have a bone to pick with us, uh, you can write to our complaint department correctly. That's Jonathan Strickland, no spaces, at iHeartRadio.com. Very true. Or you can write to us directly at Ridiculous at iHeartRadio.com. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.